Folks, let's take a, a few minutes to think about some of the things that we've been listening to already this evening. But before we get in too far, let me draw your attention to something that has been happening today. I don't know if you've been following the news, but if you have, you'll have briefly heard of the suspected death of an African president who ruled a small country of 13 million people in sub-Saharan Africa. The story started yesterday morning uh, around lunchtime when it was reported that this president had been admitted to hospital following a heart attack. But there was no word of his death. Then this morning, one rumor after another came in that indeed the president had died and that his cabinet were meeting today to think about what the line of succession would be. To this point, there has been no official news that this president is dead, but people in the country have been sharing mixed emotions as they've been responding to the news. Some people are delighted that this autocratic ruler is now out of the scene, while others mourn a leader who they trusted and believed to be a good man. There's confusion, accusation, conspiracy over the condition of the president, and people are looking for truth so that their country can move forward. Now, what's something like that got to do with Good Friday? Well, let's think for a moment of that term, Good Friday. I think we would recognize that there's something bizarre in calling a day a good day that actually marks someone's execution. Yet, here we are at the day we call Good Friday, the day when the Christian church remembers and celebrates the death of Jesus Christ. This evening, we are taking time from whatever a normal Friday looks like for us to meditate and to think and reflect on the meaning of the death of Christ, what it means for us in our everyday lives. But like the people in a small landlocked African country who are searching for truth in current events, so we must know the truth that this is a Good Friday so that we can move forward into a greater understanding of what Christ's pain and sacrifice was all about. As we've been making our way through our time together already this evening, we've heard the accounts of Good Friday. We've been in the garden and we have witnessed the arrest. We have gone from that scene and followed Peter and then to the trial of Jesus. We have heard the mocking of the soldiers and we see the cross. The cross, the symbol of Roman brutality, is where we are left. We take a moment and we pause. The broken and bloody body of Christ hangs as we've left the story. Our final reading will take us to the burial and to the tomb. But we pause at the cross. It is here we need to consider what this was all for, what it was all about, why discovering the truth is so important to us. Jesus had lived a life somewhere between 30 and 35 years. He grew up in Nazareth and served as a faithful son to his earthly parents. 
His ministry started with John the Baptist, baptizing him in the River Jordan. And as, as soon as Jesus was baptized, a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. At that moment, when Jesus was setting himself to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, God broke in and said, this is my son whom I love and in whom I am well pleased. God affirms who Jesus is. This is the first step that we must get to before we can get to the cross. Knowing who Christ is, God affirms Jesus as his son. And here we come to the cross. Not just that it is a man on a cross, but it is a unique man, a unique nature in Christ, because he wasn't just a good man. As we look at the stories of Christ, it's not a, a case of evidence that says he was a good man, but his nature tells us that he was fully God and yet fully man. Numerous verses in Scripture tell us of Christ's position in the Godhead. He is referred to as God's Son, sent from heaven to be born of a woman, that a way to God would be restored for all humanity. Romans 8, verse 3, Galatians 4, verse uh, verse 4. We can also read the stories of Jesus' human nature and how he cared for people, how he displayed human emotions such as pain and tears, and how he loved in the most difficult of circumstances. And as we come to pause at the cross, the cross, on it he not only felt the physical pain, the physical pain that a crucifixion would bring, but also the spiritual pain. It's a deeper pain that only Christ could know at that moment. One thing, as I've been reflecting on this over the past week in the lead up to this service, the gospel writers don't spend too much time detailing the physical pain of Christ. If they were writing a novel for us and they were wanting us to empathize and really get to grips with what the main character is feeling. They would detail everything for us. But quite quickly they move on from the physical suffering of Christ, from the physical pain, and they emphasize what Christ suffered even deeper, what we've mentioned, the spiritual pain. Being fully man, yet fully God, he suffered a physical death, but he also suffered to the spiritual depths of knowing separation from God. He was the only one who could know this spiritual pain. He was the only one who could endure it for one reason and one reason only, for you and for me. Whenever we read the account, we understand the darkness is that moment when there is separation, when Christ takes on the suffering of the world. And in that moment, he is as far as he can be from his Father God. So at that moment, Christ takes on the sin of the world. In one act, one single act, dying on a cross, 
Jesus made it possible for humankind to connect with God again. This was something that had been lost at the very beginning. But this one act made it possible to have this connection with God. John Stott remarks, Our sin must be extremely horrible. Nothing reveals the gravity of sin like the cross. For ultimately, what sent Christ there was our own greed, envy, cowardice, and other sins. And Christ's resolve in love and mercy to bear their judgment and so put them away. The spiritual death meant it was once and for all. We don't like to think too much of our sin. Rather, we like to look at the big picture of what's wrong with the world and measure and mark, mark it against the morality that we have in our own minds. But the cross of Christ compels us to look at our individual sin and recognize that we can do nothing with it except face the punishment for it. But this is where Christ steps in. He resolved differently to bear the judgment of our sins and to put them away so that we would be affected, we would be affected by them no more. In that one act, Christ put them away so that we would know freedom from the clutches that sin would have over us. But the world at the time, 2,000 years ago, looking on, got it so wrong. They looked at Christ on the cross and mocked him. They shouted, they jeered. Mark 15, 31, that was read for us a moment ago, records that the ruling religious elite said in their mockery of Christ, he saved others, but he can't save himself. This was them getting their, their final dig in. They knew that the time was coming to an end and this was their opportunity to get the last word. They saw this man dying on a cross as a blasphemer and a troublemaker. And they were glad to get him out of their hair. Again, John Stott comments on these taunts. Their words spoken as an insult were the literal truth. He could not save himself or others simultaneously. He chose to sacrifice himself in order to save the world. This is an amazing truth of the cross. Jesus Christ went willingly and chose to be the sacrifice that was needed to ensure that you and I could know freedom from sin. He did it all to save us. And Christ's salvation is a free gift. He purchased it for us at the high price of his own lifeblood. So what is there left for us to pay? Absolutely nothing. Since he claimed that all was now finished, there is nothing for us to contribute. We simply come. We come humbly. We confess our sins and state that we deserve the hand of judgment. We thank him that he loved us and died for us and receive from him a full and free forgiveness. Jesus went to the cross willingly because he knew there was no other way for this reconcil reconciliation between God and humans. Willingly. 
But this also tells us something of the nature of God's love. God's love must be wonderful beyond comprehension. God could quite justly and rightly have abandoned us. Let us go our own way. But he didn't. He could have left us alone to reap the fruit of our wrongdoing and to perish in our sins. But he didn't. He didn't because he loved us. He came after us in Christ. He pursued us even to the desolation, the desolate anguish of the cross. If you're seeking something, something that means quite a lot to you, you go after it. You don't rest or you don't tire until you get what you're looking for. And so it is with God. Even in our sin, he looked on us and he loved us. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God never had a self-satisfying desire to condemn the world or to hold our sin over us. He came after us through Christ because he wanted us to come to him. And so Christ had to die on the cross. The cross. The cross of Christ presents to us that Jesus died for you and for me. He did it willingly so that we could know all the good that God has for us. This is why it is a Good Friday. This is why we can truly celebrate on this day that marks the execution. Because in that one act, Christ has made a way for us all to come to God. The president I mentioned at the start may be dead. And if he is, he will be buried and he will leave behind him a legacy, whether it be good or bad. And so it is with Christ. He will be buried, and we will come to that, but Sunday's coming. It had to be proved. Christ had to come and, and rise again. And it's always at moments like this in a Good Friday service that you don't want to give too much away but I guess we all know what's coming. Sunday's coming. The proof. The proof that Christ fully did it all is to come. Yes, he died in that one act. But the proof on Easter Day will prove that he conquered death. So that in the resurrection that is Christ, so we will rise from the dead. And we will know that that blessing of eternity in the presence of God. But for tonight on this Good Friday, focus on the cross of Christ. Focus on what it cost God and the willingness of the God-man, Jesus Christ, to die for us all. Let's pray.
Father, it doesn't seem quite right that we should come to remember and celebrate something that was so awful in our human thinking and was more awful than we can ever imagine spiritually. But yet we come to remember what Christ has done for us. He came willingly to show us how much you loved us so that we would know you as our God, that we would know the forgiveness of our sins and that we would know our great inheritance that is with you. So as we think of the unique nature of Jesus Christ, as we think of the God-man who went to the cross, who died and in whose, celebration, and in whose resurrection we will celebrate on Sunday morning, Father, make it ours. Make it ours and that we will truly know the cost that was for us as individuals so that we can go forward knowing the truth and in a great hope that Jesus is our risen Savior. Thank you that we can have this time over this Holy Week and this Easter weekend to once again take time to reflect and to think. So meet with us, continue to lead us, and continue to show us the power of Christ. In his name we pray.